We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, October 6th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Derek Van Riper's with me like every Friday. And um, Derek, I was promised a shootout on Thursday night, and I did not get it. Yeah, you were. Um, I think I even told an audience um, on ESPN Radio in Las Vegas the same thing. So it's going to be a high-scoring game, so you want to you know, use those secondary options in, in the passing game, really on both sides, potentially. I thought O.J. Howard could be a little bit of a sleeper, and yeah, it, it didn't play out that way at all. I mean, Nick Folk was the difference in last night's game. Like Tampa Bay's defense played well enough to give them a chance to beat the Patriots outright, mm-hmm. and Nick Folk just couldn't deliver. I know one of those was like a 59-yarder, but if he hits two of three out of the ones he missed, they win. Right. So big bummer. Yeah. OJ Howard, if he would have turned around on that last play, it wasn't all his fault, really. James Winston just kind of threw that ball. He just basically went back there and it's like he just threw it. Did they not? I mean, the Patriots kind of played that smart where they they took like five or six DBs and just spread them out across the end zone. Right. Because then no matter where you throw it, if you throw a Hail Mary, there's going to be someone right there. And then one or two more guys who are going to get there in time for the jump ball. I mean, the idea of how they counteracted it, like Winston throwing the ball when he did wasn't necessarily bad. It wasn't a really good throw. And I think what made it worse is OJ Howard wasn't expecting it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure if that scenario comes up again, they'll they'll be on the same page. But that would have been the ultimate bailout TD. Like if OJ Howard scores in that play, I had to use him as a Gronk replacement <laughs> last minute. And he, that was the only target he got all night. And that would have bailed me out. That would have been nice. But I took a donut. So. 
Uh-huh. Same as the Dwayne Allen people out there that were thinking, hey, maybe it's Dwayne Allen. You know, maybe he's the answer. It wasn't him. It wasn't Jacob Hollister. They just changed it up. They threw James White a lot last night. Right. Um, otherwise, Hogan, nice night. Amendola, about what we thought. Um, Jameis put up the numbers. I mean, we should, he would have got another touchdown. The numbers were good. He, the numbers were better than he was, basically, I think. Um, yeah, Doug Martin. I think, so. I think so. Doug Martin, that was a nice that, that was a nice comeback. I, I don't know that I was expecting that. I, I think I, I had more modest expectations. I mean, even than thirteen carries. I thought the yardage per carry would be lower. I thought the volume would be right around that range. It's weird because he was running well, and they didn't seem to run him that much in the second half, and the game was still very close. Right. All right. Well, enough of that one. I, I had Pat's win, Bucks cover, so that worked out for me for the first game of the week. Um. Everybody, we need to thank Fanball for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Check them out now, fanball.com. Check us out on Twitter now and all weekend as kickoff approaches. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at Hoppin 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire or check our news feed at Rotowire NFL. And we're on Facebook. You can always check us there. We're going uh, to have some Facebook Live Q&As, right? Heaney's going to do one. I know that. Yeah, kickoff. we've got that on uh, Sunday before kickoff. Yep. Um, it's good stuff. I encourage you to do that. All right, everybody, first reminder your buys saints falcons broncos redskins um so we have a weak quarterback week um it's running back good running backs out too um big news marcus mariota game time decision and and as we we've talked about since monday this seems to be a true game time decision there, there doesn't look like there's a oh well this suggests he'll play or this suggests he won't i you know i was gonna say if i had a guess I would guess he won't, but I really don't know what I'm talking about on that front. I mean, it's, it's really a mystery. It is. And, you know, the sad thing for the Titans is there's there's no mobile quarterback with plus arm strength freely available right what? now. It's amazing. Yeah. Doesn't exist, apparently. <laughs> no, I mean, they're the worst example of a team that actually runs an offense with a quarterback who at least plays a little bit like Colin Kaepernick. And we're not going to turn this into a Kaepernick pod. There's, you know, Kaepernick coverage in excess elsewhere, but Matt Castle's 35 years old. That's, that's their backup option to Marcus Mariota. That's just stupid. Like there's, we, we know why it's just dumb. It's dumb to have a player who's completely different than your starter. Who's not even really good at what used to make him good. Like even for the brief time that he was a starter, he was just kind of a, a fringy game managing starter. They're just, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I agree. So, so how does this, and we're going to talk more about this subject later. How does this affect your streaming defense strategy? If you hear Sunday morning that, that Mario is out, I mean, it depends on who you have, but unless you have an elite option, do you run and you go, Oh my God, I'm totally going to pick up the dolphins right now. I think my issue with the dolphins in, in using them as a fantasy defense is just that, I, I don't know if they're going to get a lot of turnovers. I think it's going to be more of like a, a four sack kind of game. And then I think what the Tennessee Titans are going to do to kind of counteract Matt Castle being out there if they don't have Mariota is just run it like crazy. Right. You're just going to see a ton of Murray and a ton of Henry. And I think that's going to sort of limit the upside of the Dolphins defense. But I think they do become stream worthy in, in spots where maybe you missed out on waivers uh, on the the best options, I mean, the Jets going into Cleveland against the Browns, I think, 
are very stream worthy as well. So if you missed out on them, uh, maybe you were hoping to take a swipe at the Cardinals at the Eagles and someone else claimed them. Maybe you're uh, running the Jags out there most weeks. You're a little worried about the Steelers offense, as you probably should be. It'd be a good pivot maybe to go from like the Steelers to the Dolphins or something like that. All right. Yeah, I I, I think I would like that. And the Dolphins are uh, – I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'll get them later. We're probably going to be – they're going to be available in a lot of leagues. Um, out this week, Jack Doyle, Paul Perkins, Matt Forte, Tyler Eifert. And by the way, we are recording this about 4.30 Eastern on Friday. So that is what we know as of now. We t- You and I talked earlier in the week about Elijah McGuire and Bilal Powell. And, and I think you said – do we really trust the Jets to remove Matt Forte from this situation when he's healthy? And we both agreed that we don't trust them, which is why we didn't trust McGuire and Powell. But Forte out. Are we looking at 20 touches for Powell, 10 touches, maybe more for McGuire again, do you think? Yeah, I think I think this game script could look a lot like the one against Jacksonville. So volume wise, it could be there. But I think the the weird thing is the Jags, in part because of what happened last week, they're the worst run defense in the league on a per carry basis right now. 5.7 yards per carry allowed. The Browns are one of the better run defenses at three yards per carry through four games. So the Browns might actually be pretty good up front. I think their weakness might be in the secondary. And with that, you know, it might be Powell as a pass catcher that do, does some damage. Uh, maybe it's, you know, Jermaine Curse this week as a GPP cheap option. Wide receiver three streamer if you're scrambling to fill in for the bye week stuff like that might be the the best way to actually take advantage of the matchup in cleveland all right um by the way miami defense six percent owned on yahoo if you're interested um our to be determined players uh Devontae adams tracking yes it sounds like right that's kind of the way it's leaning i thought i saw something earlier today that said he still was in the concussion protocol though and he would have to clear that before the flight to Dallas on Saturday. I mean, if you're in the concussion protocol, you're not getting on a plane. So we'll know hopefully Saturday if he's going to be in the mix or not. If Geronimo Allison is available at the time you listen to this recording and Adams you know, hasn't officially been declared in or out, I would just pick up Allison as a spec play and yeah. be ready to use him. I mean, that was a that was all concussions are bad. They're they're mild traumatic brain injuries, like calling them concussions almost like wipes away what they really are to put a guy back on the field 10 days after a hit like that is really short sighted and reckless. But if he's if he's I mean, the the, the status of the con- of the injury is what it is, right? Well, well, it, like so concussions. I, I don't know if the NFL is different than this, but I, I coached high school soccer uh for the last 11 years, the first year I haven't done it since I was out of college. And what we had was impact testing and impact testing is you have a baseline. So you go in before the season starts. It doesn't matter if you play football, soccer, basketball, whatever you go in and you do this, uh, this cognitive test and it, it gives you a baseline measurement of where you're at. And after a concussion, you take that test again, once you're far enough through the protocol to see if, your brain activity is essentially back at that baseline. Right. And once it's there, you can get cleared. So I, I don't know if how similar or different the NFL's current concussion testing might be. It's probably something kind of like that if it's not exactly like it. But it's still we, – we know the effects of concussions are cumulative. I don't know 
if Devonte Adams had any concussions that were diagnosed in college, uh, he didn't seem to miss any time the last couple of years he was at Fresno state. So my lead would be no, maybe he had some back in high school. Maybe this is the first concussion he's ever had. It's possible. Even still, I, it's something about it just seems wrong if he's out there and maybe we'll find out tomorrow. He's not cleared and it's, it's a moot point, but right. nonetheless, be ready with Geronimo Allison because that's the, that's the fantasy adjustment. Anytime one of those top three receivers go down, uh, they're also supposed to have their, their two tackles back potentially. Bulaga and, and David Bakhtiari. Wow. And it's been they're, a few they're weeks. down to about their eighth string at some point, I think. Y- yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, we'll see what the official word is on them, but they at least were trending back towards playing. And that kind of makes a difference because Martellus Bennett has had to stay in and block a lot. Mm-hmm. And if they can get Bennett to run a few more routes downfield, that I think will bump up that, that production a bit. I always drop some passes too. That's been a part of why he's gone up to a slow start. But the other part of it, is just having to stay in and block and protect Aaron Rodgers. He's had a lot of chances to catch the ball like three yards away from the line of scrimmage. So the yardage totals have been pretty, pretty light. Okay. Um, other Packer, Ty Montgomery looking like a no-go. Um, but Jamal Williams, after an injury last week, Jamal Williams practiced all week. Aaron Jones is there too. Is, is this going to be some sort of runner, pass catcher kind of split? Is, is, is it that simple? I almost wonder if runner that kind of goes to the hot hand, like it starts with Williams because he's been ahead of Jones on the depth chart going back to the start of the preseason. And even last week when Ty Montgomery got hurt in that game against the bears, it was Williams who was in. And then when Williams got hurt, that was when we saw Darren Jones. I think Jones is a slightly better pass catcher. Uh, Based on what I've seen of the two Jones looked a little better, but it's such a small window of opportunity for both. that You can't really make a definitive call. I think when you're looking at them right now as lineup options, they're both kind of in that flex range. Maybe low-end RB2s if we're talking like a 14-team league or deeper. And if you're looking at DFS and prices are similar, I think they are in most sites. I think because of the pass-catching component, I'd lean a little more towards Aaron Jones. But I don't feel strong about it. because I, I don't think there's much that separates them Got in the eyes of the coaching staff. And, and that's what makes the situation so risky. Um, Wendell Smallwood looking like a no go for the Eagles. He's got a knee injury. Uh, they are home against the Cardinals, so you're going to fire up the Garrett Blunt. And if you need a running back, you might be firing up Corey Clement based on how they've been running the last few weeks because the backs have been busy. You know, I thought you said fire up the Garrett Blunt on purpose, <laughs> but then you said fire up Corey Clement, and I, I thought, okay, maybe that was just a slip, complete but- slip. I wish I would have thought of it. Well, you did though. Like your your brain thought of it. Your your baseline is normal right now. You're yeah. not in the concussion protocol, so you, you're firing on all cylinders. Uh, Smallwood, yeah, he didn't practice all week, so I I just I, he's a game time decision. But it'd be surprising if he played. Blunt's gonna get the carries. They don't really have another pass catching back healthy right now. I think they have uh, was it Byron Mitchell? I think is the guy they have on their practice squad right now. He's kind of moved around from receiver to running back and I think even cornerback at one point, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe they'll add him from the practice squad and let him do that. Kenyon Barner maybe gets on the field a little bit. But it's probably Blunt and Corey Clement. I mean, like, that's probably what they're going to do. I guess Corey Clement could be like just behind the Green Bay rookies as someone you would throw out there in desperation. But you have to think most of the carries, at least, would go through LeGarrette Blunt. Yep, I think you're right. Um, Clint would be a sort of desperation. The other one, um, 
Hugh Jackson probably happy to hear this, that Kenny Britt is doubtful, so he doesn't have to threaten to bench him again like he did last week. <laughs> yeah, that, right. He, he said, he basically said after the game, if there weren't so many injuries, I would have benched him, but I couldn't. <laughs> well, he had 18 targets the last two games. So, yeah, they, they had to throw him the ball, and he didn't do much with 18 targets. Like six catches for 106 yards and a score. I mean, it could have been, could have been worse. It could uh, have been worse. Is the Jets' defense good, okay? Is it better than they want it to be? Like, what's... What's your level of interest in using almost anyone against the Jets defense right now? Is it kind of mixed based on the, the quality of the opponent? I think that's a good way to put it because the quality of the opponent. See, the wild card here is the, is the Dolphins because we, I don't think we, – we didn't expect the Dolphins to be this terrible. So I don't, I don't know if that game, which was basically a shutout until last play – was more of an indictment of the Dolphins or a credit to the Jets' defense. That's the one I can't figure out. So Yeah, the Chargers are disappointing this year, too. So that win over the Chargers, which could have been a loss, uh, Young-Ho Koo hits that field goal, that, that's, a, that's another one. Dear departed Young-Ho Koo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, man, this is, this is rough. Like, this, is, this is a bad... Bad AFC East right now. And and the Patriots can still look terrible for half a season and get away with it and win the division Absolutely. and probably get a first round bye. That's yep. so gross. Right. All right. Most of you have tried daily fantasy sports games and we know how it went. You had fun playing. You like competing and you lost and lost and lost some more because the Sharks, they were in there and they, you know, they they kind of squashed you. And, you, and a lot of you probably quit playing. Right. But de- playing daily fantasy is supposed to be fun. It's just that continually losing isn't. But we're here to tell you about a whole new approach to daily fantasy sports, the fanball number at fanball.com. Here's the fanball difference. Your fanball number identifies your skill level, and it ensures that you play in contests against players at your skill level. If your fanball number is 35, you're not going to be playing against experts rated in the 80s and 90s because they have their own contests. At fanball.com, every player has a fanball number, and every contest has a fanball number. So you can find a contest rated around 35, knowing that it'll have players just like you. They've leveled the playing field with the fanball number at fanball.com. Have more fun and a better chance to win. Uh, Derek, you're ready to go with your fanball number this week? Yeah, I'm at 51. I didn't play on fanball last week. It was actually just a clerical error on my part. But uh, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, uh, relative to the other DFS sites that I've looked at the prices on, Aaron Rodgers is priced closer to the pack on fanball. So, I mean, it's chalky. It's a cash play at least, but... 8,200 for Aaron Rodgers, And I think the next closest is like 7,800 for Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And by comparison on FanDuel, there's like a $1,500 gap between Rodgers and Wilson. So keep that in mind. If you are, um, you know, like a Packers homer, or you just really like Aaron Rodgers going up against that Dallas defense in the, the highest over under total of the week. Gotcha. All right. Um, we're going to do our weekly segment here of players. You're curious to see. Who's who's number one on your list? Who can't you wait to to tune into on Sunday? Matt Castle. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, not really. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm thinking at this point, <sighs> I really don't want to watch EJ Manuel either. Just while we're on that subject, there's so I've, many I've, bad quarterbacks. Well, there's so many like decent defenses matching up against some of the more intriguing like mid-tier guys this week. Right. So I, I mean, Panthers that, that Lions kind of not. I don't want to say cancels each other out, but neither one of them has a good matchup, right? The quarterbacks. Yeah. And we've got games here. We've got McCown Kaiser. We could have Castle Cutler. 
Um, we've got Hoyer, Jacoby Brissett. And we've got Flacco and EJ Manuel. And we have um, some Viking against Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, this is yeah. ridiculous. No wonder I ranked Deshaun Watson fifth. There's nobody else. It's it's not good. I mean, the teams on by two, two of them especially have good quarterbacks and, and Matt Ryan and Drew Brees, plus Kirk Cousins would normally be a kind of a solid second tier consideration as well. Jared Goff, we've been getting kind of excited about this year. Get Seattle. At least he gets him at home. But do you want to play him in a DFS pers- concept? Uh, concept? No. Do you want to roll him out there in season long? Definitely not. I mean, it's it's bad. Carson Palmer on the road. Sure, he's going to get volume, but I, I like the Philly defense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, quarterback play could be ugly. Andy Dalton goes up against a good Buffalo front that could get a lot of pressure against that weak Cincinnati offensive line. That could be a problem. I think that, you know what, the, the game that I'm, I'm actually most interested in is going to be the Detroit-Carolina game from a quarterback perspective because Stafford's been okay, not great. Cam, of course, got right against New England. So can Stafford put up a good game in a spot where people might be steering away from him? He kind of did that in week one against the Arizona secondary. And then what does Cam do to follow up the big game last week? So that's probably, from a quarterback standpoint, the game I'm most interested in with maybe the Giants and Chargers, dare I say, falling in that next spot. You know, what, what is Eli Manning at this point? What is Phillip Rivers at this point? Are these guys both just kind of at the the back end of their career where they're not going to get back to the top 10, top 12 fantasy QB levels that we're accustomed to seeing them kind of maintain year over year? Um, speaking of the Giants, I'm interested. Am I silly considering their offensive line and their starting center is going to be out? Am I silly to really want to see Wayne Gallman? Maybe it's my Giants homerism that's making me feel that way. Um, you know what? The Chargers give up 4.8 yards per carry. They've given up a ton of yards per game also because the volume's been there for their opponents. And I think with that, it's the kind of spot where even a team with a bad offensive line could have some success. Perkins has been ruled out. Gallman at least scored. I mean, like, that's... Paul Perkins is one of the worst picks I've ever made in fantasy. <laughs> I, love, I don't want to say I love that we talk about this every week, but it's kind of funny. It's it's my new come on and analyze the Eagles backfield. Like that was my thing last year when Fantasy Network would have me on as a guest like every couple of weeks. It happened to be every time the Eagles had some issue at running back. <laughs> and I turned to like the Eagles backfield specialist for the show. And um, I'm not back this year, so I guess that didn't go well. But uh, anyway, looking at... Uh, at the Giants, I mean, Gallman from a daily perspective, 3,900 on Fanball, 5,200, I think, on FanDuel. It's at least a cash option where you think a dozen carries and a couple catches are in order. Vereen's still healthy, so Vereen's going to be the primary pass catcher. But 15 touches for the minimum or near the minimum price in, in daily is interesting. Uh, if I'm looking at him compared to the Green Bay running backs, given that those are two guys may have to share touches. Right. Once Ty Montgomery's officially out, maybe he's doubtful. I think I like Gallman a little more than both of the two Green Bay running backs right now. Do you do you like Gallman better than mm, Latavius Murray? Mm, yeah, I think it's that's actually pretty similar too. All these new running backs that people picked up off the waiver wire, there's not much separating them right now. Gallman probably has the best matchup of all of them by a pretty wide margin. 
Okay. Well, the, the Rams, the Rams have been pretty generous against the run too. And Seattle's got it with Eddie Lacy and Thomas Rawls and JD McKissick. I mean, put that on the list of things where I'm, I'm not interested to watch because I think it'll be a good watch as much as I, I, you know what? I take that back. I, I kind of want to see if, if the Rams are legit, if they can, if they can move the ball well against Seattle's offense, that's a sign they're legit. And along with that, watching that game, you get a feel for what Pete Carroll might do with his backfield without Chris Carson. Who would have thought like a month into the season, be like, well, what are they going to do without Chris Carson? We don't know. <laughs> CJ pro size is her too, but it, it's a good enough offense where whoever's getting those carries is, is, potentially valuable right and now there's so many of them i the one i don't buy though and i was talking to jake about this on tuesday he said to me he said i think my favorite's mckissick and i kind of went come on like that that's that's a of all the people they have there that's the pass catchingiest back possible the little change of pace you know duke johnson whatever kind of guy who's going to catch six passes but if he runs more than four times it's going to be a miracle there's there's a lot of things you could say about the seahawks i mean you can like or not like them for any number of reasons but one thing i do like about them they play the guy that they think is the best player they don't care about contracts right or how early a player was drafted we saw that with russell wilson the year they signed matt flynn as a free agent They started Wilson as a third round rookie. A lot of teams wouldn't have done that. And a reminder that still happens is Tom Savage starting over Deshaun Watson. I think we talked about that on Monday as well. (laughs) That actually that happened. How how you could as a coaching staff, how you could watch those two guys practice every day and land on that decision. I don't know. But you got to give Seattle credit because there have been times when they have made the difficult choice. New England's kind of like that, too, where they they'll just they'll play the guy that should play because he's the best at the job, not because they paid a lot for him in a trade or free agency or whatever it might have been. So there is like that. Well, if, if, if the coaching staff thinks McKissick is the best guy, like he'll get more touches than everybody else thinks. But I would agree with you that he's a little bit small. He's not even a, a traditional running back. He's, he's a lot. He's a lot like Procise. He's a right. receiver who moved to running back. So to expect him to do much more than what CJ Procise would do is probably putting too much of an expectation on J.D. McKissick. I think, if anything, Thomas Rawls being inactive last week and Eddie Lacy being the other guy gives you an idea that Lacy, for the time being, at least, is slightly ahead of Thomas Rawls. And whether that lasts one series, one carry, one game, or the rest of the season, I have no idea. See, that, the weird part about that, I after last Sunday, I agreed with you. But then during the week, Pete Carroll was saying things like, well, you know, Rawls being out, you know, gave us an opportunity there. You know, he got some rest and now he'll be really ready to jump back in. And I'm going, well, what what am I supposed to do with that? You know, is he ahead of Lacey or not? It it, it was confusing. Yeah, they have a bye in week six. And if something was physically wrong with Thomas Rawls coming off that injury, rolling him out there again in week five, still with the possibility of resting him longer is kind of fishy right so i have to wonder if lacy gets the first couple series and if he's really bad then they go to rawls it's a really tough situation to read and and we're just left to guess i that week six bye just makes me a little nervous about rawls this week okay that's fair um you we mentioned that jets defense earlier i want to give isaiah crow one last chance 
<laughs> and I do that with too many people, I know, because it's week, I mean, it's week five. And, you know, if you give people chances for this long, you wind up, you know, two and four after this week and your playoff chances are shot. But I feel like we're not, I mean, their offensive line still has talent, you know? They're saying, hey, we're not going to make Duke the lead back. I mean, do, do they, I mean, last week, I mean, they got blown out, so it's hard to say why the snap count went down. You know, it, it, it's a, it looks like a game flow thing. But I, I feel like that, you know, Crowell, it can't, I mean, I, he's not dead yet. It's kind of what I, I want to see if he is or not. I think this Sunday will tell me. So they still have a little ways to go before they're by, and that would be a spot where maybe they regroup and whatever. They get healthy if they're dinged up anywhere. They seem to be fairly healthy, though, as a team. Uh, you look at the Jets. Texans, the Titans, and the Vikings. Those are the next four matchups for the Browns. So the Jets, as you kind of mentioned, they're not real good against the run. 4.7 yards per carry, 143.8 yards per game allowed. Easily, I think, the worst of the upcoming opponents. Then you look at the Texans and the Titans. Oh, man. Like, I... I see those both being decent run defenses. The Titans at 3.8, Texans at 3.7, and Minnesota at 3.1. If it's going to happen for Isaiah Crowell, it better happen this week. I don't have him anywhere. I might think about him as like a GPP, like really big field GPP pivot, just because I think most people are going to be pretty sour on him right now. But I've said it before. He's just a guy I didn't really like coming into the year. I thought the presence of Duke Johnson would eat away at his value. And, and so far that's been the case. Maybe, maybe the masses who liked him end up being right. And if, if you're going to stick with him, this is the week to be patient and throw him back out there one last time. Yep. Um, and speaking of guys like that, Marshall Lynch, uh, I mean, I know this is a different game and the, and the, because of the quarterback situation, the, it might not be as easy to run, but after week one, he hasn't really done much. I mean, week one, everybody kind of went, oh, he's the same old Marshawn Lynch. And since then, he hasn't really done a whole heck of a lot. So maybe I feel a little bit like you do uh, about Crowell with Lynch because Denver is the best run defense in the league so far mm-hmm. by a decent margin. The week before that, game flow for Marshawn Lynch was awful because Washington was all over him. And they once they fell behind Lynch was just an afterthought. Like he's just he, the Raiders aren't going to fall behind a lot when when Derek Carr is healthy, so it's not something you worry about as much when everyone's at full strength in that offense. But with Manuel, if they're not sustaining drives, there could be matchups where they start to fall behind. We'll see how long Derek Carr is actually out. I think he did some work in practice this week on a limited basis. Baltimore's not good enough to bury anybody offensively, so I think that bodes well for Lynch from a volume standpoint. They've been kind of middle of the road. Yardage-wise, 4.2 yards per carry this season. So this this looks like a pretty good get-well spot for Lynch. I trust him more than Crowell by comparison, even though Crowell's matchup is easier. And I'm still on board with the idea that he did look like pretty typical Marshawn Lynch earlier in the season. I'm willing to give him a pass, especially last week because of the matchup against Denver. But even the week before that, the game flow was about as bad as it could be for Lynch to have heavy involvement. All right. Um, anybody else you got your eye on? You know, the Colts are kind of interesting to me this week. I picked because up I think, Jacoby Brissett in a league to stream. What kind of league was that? It's a 12-teamer. Um, 
And the thing is, I, I looked at the other guys available because I had Cousins was my only quarterback. And I looked at the other players. I'm going to tell you. I mean, I, I, I sort of played a hunch because there's a couple of guys I have ranked ahead and I wound up taking, taking Brissett anyway. But I'm trying to look at the guys who were available. Uh, oh, someone just cut Mariota. Um, really? But I mean, Tyrod. I wound up playing him ahead of Tyrod. And that was just a hunch because they're playing the 49ers. But otherwise, I mean, you know, it, it's, a, it's a 12-teamer and a lot of people own two quarterbacks. So yeah. it, it wound up, and I look and I kind of went, you know what? I mean, there's different matchups. Like people seem to be on Cutler a little bit because of the matchup. But I looked at it and I was like, you know, I like the way, you know, the Brissette's running ability. And I kind of think this might, you know, and I, I was shocked. I was like, wow, I'm rolling into a week five game with Jacoby Brissett as my quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I, I like this setup quite a bit because I think both these teams can be pretty weak defensively. The Colts with Vontae Davis should start to improve the YPA they've allowed so far. Their third most generous 8.5 yards per attempt. So even Brian Hoyer, maybe from a, a GPP standpoint or a streaming standpoint, maybe you're a Breeze owner and you're still not sure what you want to do for this week or a Matt Ryan owner because you don't carry a backup. You could probably use either one of the quarterbacks in this game. And if I had to pick one game on this slate that will go well above the over and maybe end up just becoming some kind of weird shootout. This would probably be that game. Yes. I love that. I like so, that. You got me confident now. I mean, it, it, well, it's just like, I don't think San Francisco's defense is anything more than average and T Y Hilton, you know, he can make a couple big plays. I just think there's enough there on both sides. Garcon could be pretty good for San Francisco this week. So I don't know if you want to use them both, but Getting a little exposure to this game is appealing to me because it's, other, it's it seems boring on the surface, but the closer you look at it, the more you can see a case for certain guys to be kind of interesting. I mean, Carlos Hyde has looked good this year, too. I am very much intrigued by what Carlos Hyde has done. The Colts, as a run defense, have actually been pretty good, four yards per carry, but they've allowed six TDs, so I think that's the second most in the league. So I think you can look at the Colts, the team that you at least run on a little bit. And Carlos Hyde, I mean, he seems healthy to get the hip injury, but it seems like he's going to play at a full capacity. That makes the game kind of interesting for me, too. Yeah, it's funny. I think Carlos Hyde, we're all pleasantly not surprised, but it, those of us who bought on Carlos Hyde are looking going, you know, it paid off right now. And then if he pulls a hamstring in the first quarter, everybody's going to go, I told you. <laughs> those people are the best, aren't they? <laughs> they suck. <laughs> they're miserable i hate them <laughs> i i really compared to previous years i have spent less time on twitter this season than in years past but then like the last week or two i think i just hit a breaking point with it where because of so many sources and things i follow so many people yeah. baseball news and football news simultaneously i can't do it anymore I'll, I'll turn it on when i have to to watch news it's not going to be something i choose to do while I watch games anymore, it, it's it, I, it, something happened, like uh, something broke in, in my head. I can't I just wow. can't do it anymore. All right. That's fair. I mean, I, I, I'm a little addicted to it during events, but I, I, you know, I see what you're saying. It can be you just shake your head. and It's it's not as fun. I don't know. I don't know why I used to like it used to be just there. The second screen had to be there and I snapped. <laughs> I can't I can't take it anymore. <laughs> right. it's too, too many stupid tweets. 
you know, I, I just, I, I've, I'll, I'll still tweet once in a while. I'll still interact with people occasionally. Uh, but yeah, go through like at RotoWire for lineup questions. Use Jeff's value meter. Don't, don't tweet lineup questions at me because there's a decent chance I'm not looking at Twitter as much as I was before. All right, there you go. We know where not to find Eric on Sunday morning. You got that right. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cash back, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. All right. With all the bad quarterbacks, who are your favorite? I mean, we talked a little bit about this earlier. I mentioned the Dolphins, and you mentioned some. Who's, who's your fa- Who's your top defense this week? Well, if I could pick anybody at all to, to just roll out so like which basically you're asking like what defense am i leaning on in dfs this week yes sure or, i mean uh, without the prices in front of me yes because that that's more or less what it's going to come down to <sighs> the jets man they were they might be my number one defense wow like it's, it's it's hard to believe but it's a rookie quarterback and deshaun kaiser is going through some growing pains he could be good someday and it might even be before the end of the season, but he's going to have to prove it. That's pretty high up on the list, I think, right now. And I'm thinking, man, Pittsburgh's really high up on the, on the list, too. But Blake Bortles looked awful. I, I think Fournette's safe because of the volume. But no Allen Robinson. Bortles looked very lost against the Jets last week. I guess I'd go Pittsburgh one and maybe the Jets two okay. right now if I'm ranking defenses overall and how they match up this week. The Eagles are kind of appealing to going home against Carson Palmer. Palmer throwing the ball a lot. Yeah, he might get volume. He might even put up good numbers, but he could turn it over. He can get sacked a lot. I mean, it's an offensive line you don't feel good about. The Eagles got a pretty solid pass rush. So I think the Eagles are kind of good this week, too. I like the actually I have the Eagles second, but Fletcher Cox is out again. So, um, yeah, I love the Steelers in that spot. See, I, te- I tend to shy away from the road defenses. So that's what that's what the just the only hesitation about the Jets. I mean, it's the perfect spot with the quarterback they're facing, but the road part of it, I just kind of go, eh, I don't know. What about Oakland going up against Flacco and the Ravens? I I can see an argument for that one. Absolutely, I mean, six picks. Uh, they've allowed nine sacks, and I, I mean Khalil Mack against the Ravens' offensive line that doesn't have Marshall Yanda. Hmm. Flacco's not Flacco's not escaping pressure. He's not he's not moving real well. No, not at all. So, all right, I can see that. Um, all right, question I haven't answered for. Give me an unusual guy. I mentioned Jacoby Brissett. Give me an unusual guy, and I know you have a lot of lineups, but in one of your starting lineups, look at look at a guy and go, "Can you believe I'm starting him?" 
I have Zay Jones in my Stopa lineup right now. Whoa. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna stay that way. But I have Julio and Emmanuel Sanders on by. Okay. This is the cost of having multiple players in the same position on by. Things thin out real quick. Yeah. Um, I have uh, Tyler Croft in my fishbowl lineup. So there was a theory that uh, our buddy Mario Puig put out there that against the Bills, Croft may have to stand and block more Yeah, to help that offensive line. Still, even with that, I mean, four catches, 50 yards in the fishbowl, a few first downs, that's probably good enough where you say, oh, that was successful. That, that, that worked. I've, I've reached the point where I'm putting Tyler Croft in ahead of Eric Ebron because I've had wow. it with Eric Ebron. I was so high on Eric Ebron. So you're telling me I should probably have one like three dollar tournament lineup where I put Eric Ebron in as my tight end just <laughs> just because like you're not the only one who's finally like fed up with Ebron. Like even even the Eric Ebron truthers are sitting there and they're like, all right, it's it's just not going to happen. Right. I mean, last week he, he wasn't getting the work. He wasn't gonna, he was on WG using Darren Fells. Look at the snap count. Where's the snap count here? He's down to 31 snaps. Fells. I may or may not be picking up Darren Fells in the NFFC because of the Gronk injury. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, I don't know. Ebron, so sick of Ebron. All right, everybody. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing. There's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last-minute deal, or buying a gift for a loved one, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek gets you closer to the action for great value. Uh, I've got SeatGeek SeatGeek app. We've talked about this before. It's a very easy, it's the easiest way, really, um, that i found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, just a few taps, really easy to use. I can instantly find seats. Um, Actually, Jacob was talking about, uh, maybe not this week, but... Next, the next Wisconsin Badger game, he's going to fire up SeatGeek and get some seats, get some tickets. It's a good idea. I, I don't have season tickets because you get to make a donation to the university. And I finally, like in the last year, stopped paying back my loan from when I attended the University of Wisconsin. <laughs> so I thought, you know, as a responsible adult, it would be terrible to, to make donations and buy football tickets when I still have loan debt. Uh, so, yeah, SeatGeek is definitely in play for me as far as getting any Badger tickets this season. There you go. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And if he doesn't end with sports, SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available too. Best of all, new users get $20 off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTONFL today. That's promo code ROTONFL for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See it live with SeatGeek. Right seat, right now, right from your phone. Thanks, SeatGeek. Um, all right, players you love, players you love, players you love. Quarterback, let's hear it. Just Rodgers. Just play Rodgers. Yeah. Don't, don't think about it. Um, right. I mean, Russell Wilson against the Rams should be fine. Also, if you're paying up the the default cash play, I feel like is going to be Dak Prescott because that game has such a high over under. It's supposed to be close. Dallas is at home. I mean, Dak's playing well, too. So I could see a lot of Dak ownership and I'm, I'm not I'm not fading it. So I guess that puts him on the the who do I love list among quarterbacks. And then if I'm looking for 
a lower end option. It comes down to a couple of guys we talked about earlier. I mean, I, I think Brian Hoyer, it, it, this is one of those weeks where I actually like starting Brian Hoyer. It's probably only three or four times all year where I'm going to feel good about it. This is one of those times. Okay. Um, I can see that. And Roger certainly. And, uh, and I can see that Dak's a kind of a chalky, you know, cash play, let's say. Um, man, I love Deshaun Watson. And it's not because he threw four touchdowns last week. I just think, that, I, I just think this is just setting up for me as, like, as a 31-13 Texans kind of game. Really? Yeah. I think the Chiefs are... I, I like the Chiefs. They're a nice team. They're not they're not going fourteen and two. They're not that kind of team. You know? And I think that the, the, the Texans being at home and they're a good team and the defense is playing better and, and I just you know, I, I just love this spot for them. And I and I think Watson I, I, I could very easily see Watson, you know, throwing for one and running for one. I just think the floor is really, really strong with him this week. And I understand actually I shouldn't say that because with a rookie quarterback, there's always disaster potential. I just don't think we're going to see it. I mean, I think with the Chiefs, what they're doing right now, they're, they're scheming their personnel exceptionally well. I agree with you. They're not a team that goes like 14 and two. They're not that level. But I can see them going 11 and five. Yeah. I mean, I think the injury to Carr, the Broncos troubles on the road a little bit early on this year. A couple things like that. The Chargers slow start. That all kind of gives the chiefs a little more of a nudge than I expected. I thought that was going to be a really tight division and maybe it will be, maybe it'll still play out that way. But I would say the worst thing that's happened to the chiefs this year, honestly, is that they beat the Patriots in week one, because if they see the Patriots again, it's just, it seems like scheming to beat new England twice (laughs) is really hard, right? That, that just seems borderline impossible. I know their defense hasn't looked good overall, even though it looked a little better last night against the, the Bucks, And maybe by the time we get to the playoffs in January, you know, Matt Patricia and Bill Belichick have it all solved. But if you may just think, think ahead, like if you, if, if the FC championship game is Kansas city in new England, and maybe they got to go back into new England and play it there again, who knows? Even if the chiefs get the game at Arrowhead, are you going to have doubts about the chiefs ability to make those big plays again against new England? Mm, doubts uh, be, just because it's the Patriots. So yes, sort of, you know, I yeah. mean, I, I am, I, I think, and, and my brain will say that's silly, but my gut will say, yes, I have those doubts. So yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, I don't, I don't think you're alone in that. I think that's a pretty normal fear. I, I think that's kind of just built in with the chief still is, Hey, you know, Alex Smith is this game manager and, he, I think I said this during baseball season. There's some pitchers that if they add something, it takes a half season for people to realize, oh, this guy actually is different. Mm-hmm. Alex Smith's kind of like that, where if, if he's playing a lot better, he has to do it for a half season as opposed to a quarter of a season for a lot of people to really buy into it as a, a new baseline. I agree. You, you know what? You know what he added? Patrick Mahomes. That's what he added. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Is it that or is it know. just is it just like they they use Tyreek Hill a little bit more and the way teams have to scheme to take away some of the big play potential he brings opens up more underneath and Kelsey's an elite tight end. So they right. have that. The line is playing really well. And Kareem Hunt kind of looks like a little Le'Veon Bell clone. <laughs> amazing. That's amazing with Kareem Hunt. I still I still can't believe it. 
I really can't. Um, all right. Wide receivers, who you got? All right. So the wide receivers that I've been pretty aggressive towards so far. Oh, let's see. It was at the top, Dez, for, for obvious reasons. But T.Y. Hilton, I like him quite a bit going up against San Francisco. Garcon, I mentioned him in passing before. Uh, I like Martavis Bryant at home. I know the Jags are, are pretty good against the pass. Bryant's just so big and so fast. He doesn't need 10 targets to be good. He needs like six to go off. He could catch four or five passes for 120 yards on six targets. He's right. just that kind of player. So I'm really intrigued by him this week. Uh, you look a little further kind of in the mid tier. I still like Randall Cobb quite a bit because he's the cheapest of the three Green Bay receivers on most sites. If Adams is ruled out, Geronimo Allison gets into the conversation uh, for the Packers pass catchers as well. And then Jerron Brown, man, he's so yes. cheap. He's getting so many targets that like, you want to open up the cash for Rodgers and for Le'Veon Bell and for some of those those top end guys that you want in your lineup. How, how do you pass on Jerron Brown? He's like 3,700 on fanball right now, averaging 7.3 targets per game. And he's averaging more in the last few games because he didn't really do anything in week one. He's got 11, six and 12 for targets yep. in his last three games. All right. I agree with you on Jerron Brown. And we have it's funny. We're the only people who are going to consider this breaking news because we're not everyone's not going to listen live. We're recording live. Do you have a TV on? I have a baseball game on. Yes, Gary Sanchez. Take that, Corey Kluber. <laughs> Home run, two nothing Yankees. I, I I think the Yankees are going to win that series. Oh, this would be great today. To getting this game today would be so great. It would be demoralizing for Cleveland oh. to win with Bauer, lose with Kluber, and run the risk of not getting the series back to Cleveland. Oh, my God. I love this. I love this. He walked Judge. See, I don't have the TV on. I had the, I had the app that I was toggling, I have to confess. So, yeah. Oh, this is great. All right. I agree with you on Des, by the way. He's a great – what a great spot. That's that he, game. I want I can't wait to watch that game. Des has been probably the president of the tough matchups club. Yeah. At wide receiver through the first four weeks. Yep. I agree. All right. Um, anyone did I miss running backs for you? I missed running backs for you. I talked about Crowell already. Yeah. Yeah. You got Crowell. Um, Gurley is a little expensive on Fanball. I like him on FanDuel. Um, just because the usage is so great and you know he's going to be involved. I know Seattle's run defense looked really good in week one against Green Bay. Hyde got him a little bit. Uh, Tennessee, thanks to DeMarco Murray, 75-yard run, ended up having a pretty good day against them. Gurley's a, the kind of back that, from a DFS standpoint, I don't think I'm sweating who he's playing much at all. Uh, I actually like Le'Veon Bell a lot. If you, don't, if you don't like my Martavis Bryant call, make Le'Veon Bell the building block for one of your lineups. The Jags are Vulnerable to the run. We saw that last week with both Jets backs looking pretty good. You know he's going to get volume. They're big favorites, so they should put plenty of points on the board. It's an obvious call, but consider it. Uh, looking more to that cheaper range, you, Marshawn Lynch is kind of my Crowell. I, I like Carlos Hyde a good amount. Um, I'm, I'm still not giving up on Christian McCaffrey. Maybe I'm just yeah. stubborn. You and I talked about it on Monday. Like The Patriots on that Fozzie Whitaker play. They all just kept their eyes on McCaffrey and flooded that side of the field. And Fozzie Whitaker burned him on the other side. Right. Yeah, I, I, I hope you're right. 
being being a charlatan here, I hope you're right. Because I would like to see that that turnaround for him a little bit. Uh, statistically, anyway. I, I would I would like to see him become a more, let's say He's important to their offense, but I would like to see the you know the production, some touchdowns. I I, I would like to see that that pick up on his front. Tight end wise, um, Evan Ingram. My goodness, this is this is working out so much better fantasy wise than I expected for him. You know, I mean they they've got to throw a lot because they can't run. Um, Eli's got to get rid of the ball quick, but. I mean, the, the targets are just racking up for this guy. And I really, I was looking at him in the beginning of the season. And I said, he, he's the number three receiving option. I just don't know that I see this working out so well. I mean, the guy's been targeted, what, I mean, 30 times already? More? 30 times. That's, yeah. Let, I mean, it's really good. I, I like Evan Ingram a lot because he's, he's basically a receiver with tight end eligibility. If right. That's what he is. I wonder what happens if Wayne Gallman makes the running game better, which he should make it better. How much better remains to be seen. But let's say they're getting 3.8 yards per carry or four yards per carry from Gallman. They're going to be more balanced. If they're more balanced, there are fewer targets to go around. Does Evan Ingram start to lose targets first or does Sterling Shepard lose targets first? So they just lose a couple. Like, how do you see if the Giants begin to have success running the ball, how do you see that impacting the pass catchers? I, I, that's a really good question. It's hard to say because over the past few years, they have not had a tight end worthy of Eli's continued attention. You know, so I'm not sure how that will work out. I tend to think that at this point, I, I, I think Ingram has stepped up to the point that He's going to keep getting fed enough, maybe at the expense of a guy like Shepard. That makes sense. And I I just wish they didn't have Brandon Marshall because then you could see Beckham, Shepard, and Ingram all potentially be viable regardless of whether or not the run game is, is clicking. Right. I think at tight end, Hunter Henry, on the other side of that game, he's been a disaster twice this year already. Two donuts. He's very affordable. And the Giants have been brutal against tight ends. Yes, they have. But do you trust? I mean, he's been so volatile. I mean, if you're playing in a DFS tournament, I get it. If you're playing in a season-long league, that that would be a terrifying proposition. Yeah, I think he's more like a GPP guy than a cash guy. It'll probably be popular. But it seems like it makes sense. And they got to change some things up. And they're they're 0-4. Right. So something's going to give. Getting Hunter Henry more involved might be good way to help sustain some drives, take a little pressure off that running game too. Jimmy Graham's only fifty seven hundred on fan ball, by the way. I think that's nice. that's a nice price. Okay. Um I have Austin's Ferry and Jenkins in two season long leagues going this week, by the way. So that's another one for me. I don't yeah, have that, much of a choice. In- that's part of a, a jet stack that Mario was talking about. He was he was suggesting he was gonna stack McCowan. Curly, if Robbie Anderson is out, and Austin Safarian Jenkins, and wow. maybe even use the Jets' defense. And I, I refer to it as the shower six-pack lineup, where you're just you're so out of control, <laughs> you, you take an entire six-pack down in the shower, and then set a lineup, and that's what happens. <laughs> I like that. I'm gonna have to keep. I'm gonna have to keep that one back in my mind. I like that one a lot. 
All right, everybody, listeners to the podcast, get a free 10-day Rotowire trial. Rotowire.com slash pod, no credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out at rotowire.com slash pod. Derek, um, how else are we helping people prep for week five other than the uh, Tim Heaney Facebook Q&A we talked about for pregame on Sunday? We got Jeff Erickson's weekly rankings that are up on the site. Be sure to check those out. They get updated going into the weekend. Uh, they've already been updated once through Thursday. They get one more look before kick on Sunday. Uh, the DFS tools are up and running, too, no matter what site you want to play on. We've pretty much got you covered on all of them. So you can lock in the players you like, run the optimizer, kind of fill in those gaps, and hopefully win some money this weekend. Ask an expert, too. If you can't make the Facebook Live with Tim about an hour before kickoff on Sunday, send your questions in Friday and Saturday. Get them in 24 hours in advance and get a response from somebody on staff. So lots of ways to give yourself an edge heading into this weekend. Yep. Again, don't find Derek on Twitter. You can find me at JHelpin37. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I'll, if I'm looking at it, I'll answer the questions. But just, just know, like, I have, I'm making a concerted effort to look a lot less at Twitter. It's a healthy life choice, I have to say. I like it. I'm going to spend more time in nature. All right. Everyone, uh, please review and rate this podcast if you can. We'd really appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Road to Wire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fanball. Our next episode is going to be coming on Monday. Derek and I are going to wrap up the weekend. Hopefully, we're going to be talking about a couple of Yankee victories. So uh, please come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Good luck in week five.